lift our hearts with our hands and love them together. I thank you, Jesus Christ. I praise you, O oh Lord. I praise you, O oh Lord. I bless your name, Jesus. Need your presence and your spirit and your power. Thank you, Jesus. The beautiful glory of God. Thank you, dear Jesus. Thank you, dear Jesus. And everybody said praise the Lord. I'm glad to be in God's house this morning. I'm glad for you to be here. And I want to turn your attention to God's word this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. There is a principle here <clears throat> that applies to those that are coming to the truth, coming to Jesus. And I want to try to draw that out. This is a message, of course, in 2 Corinthians to the church. The first five books of the Bible. New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are your four accounts of the one gospel, and they give to you the basics regarding his the announcement of his birth, that is the birth of the babe, the flesh, and then also his ministry, and then of course his everything he did during that ministry that the book records, that is, and then death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension. That's what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are going to give to us. Then we come to the book of Acts, and that's where Jesus for the first time, for whosoever will, poured out his spirit, and people were brought out of darkness into marvelous light into the body of Christ through the born-again experience. And then you go to Romans, and Romans to Revelation are messages <clears throat> that are written, letters, epistles that are given to the church, to the people who have been born again, to the people, that is, who have been baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And these messages are, now that you're saved, here's how to stay saved. Now that you're uh, a part of Christ, you put on Christ, here's how to keep him in your life and how to walk in the Spirit. Not just have the Spirit, but walk in the Spirit and to live in the Spirit, to learn how the spiritual lifestyle is. So these teachings, I'm looking here at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and I'm reading verse 1. We then, as workers together with him, we're working with Jesus. We're not working against him. Okay? He said, we beseech you, in other words, also that ye receive not the grace of God or the grace of the Spirit in vain or where it's wasted. Okay? For he saith, in verse 2, I have heard thee in an accepted time, and in the day of salvation have I succured thee. means I've helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Everybody said praise the Lord. I'd like to minister for just a little while this morning on now is the time to get up and go for Jesus. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. <laughs> As I mentioned, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are going to give to you uh, in their writings and the inspired writings of men, particularly men who eyewitnessed the things that took place. And the reason that they were eyewitnesses, many of them, was because they did what he said when he appeared, when his grace appeared into their lives. In other words, he showed up one day and passed by a couple of fishermen, and he said, come and follow me. And without a word, without a second thought, 
without a hesitation, a balking, a halting between uh, many opinions. They just dropped what they were doing, and they began to follow him. There are other instances in different forms and ways that get the same point across, and that is one that I'm thinking of is we have an individual, and let's just leave it a little general, that uh, for a long time this individual had missed the working of God, the grace of God. Now, the grace of God, the grace of the Spirit is his favor, that he is, he is stopping here. He is particularly appealing to you. He is bringing something very favorable to your life. He's acknowledging that you exist and that you're important and that he's aware of you. And as it's said in one place, that he comforts those that are cast down or downtrodden or having it tough and things are not so great in their lives and many times people are overlooked but he is saying I'm not overlooking you I'm stopping by and I'm I'm bringing this grace and this favor who are we that he would stop for a moment about us or be as the writer said mindful of us and so uh, here we have an individual that for a long time uh, there has been right in his face, if you please, an opportunity here to uh, enjoy and work with the grace of God. And yet, time after time after time, he just didn't do it. For whatever excuse that he provided, he didn't do it. And the Bible teaches, though, that on this particular day, that Jesus, here he is now, the eternal God that you cannot see, has come in the flesh. The invisible has showed himself visibly for a specific period of time. And he is walking the face of the earth in human form. For it is written that God was manifest or made clearly shown and demonstrated in the flesh. And that he, he walked among mankind and he did many wonderful miracles for them. And here he comes to this individual and he asks him, are you going to get going here? Are you going to uh, get made right here? And the individual said, well, you know, and he began to give one excuse after another. But this was a day where all the excuses were going to be swept aside because Jesus had come himself. Jesus had come to earth. The invisible had shown himself clearly in human form. And now he's standing right here in the grill of this guy. And he says, hey, are you going to get with it today? Are you going to get my grace? Are you going to let my grace, my favor? There's a lot of people around here, but I'm looking at you right now. This is your time. This is your opportunity. And so, as the writer said, that we, uh, that we would, you know, kind of get in the mode here of uh, that this is my time. This is an accepted time. This is a time where I can be secured or be helped, that I could join in with the chorus of those that say God is my helper, that I'm not going to fear anything going on around me, not economies, not wars or rumors of wars, not tough economic times. I'm not going to have to worry about that if I could just get myself in the path of His grace and not, not close my eyes to it and not stop my ears to it or not keep doing what I've been doing. They dropped their nets. And when Jesus looked at this individual who was all in terrible shape, and He said, all right, he said, today's your day. He said, now take up what you're 
got there, his little mat, his little bedroll, he said, you take up your bed and you go. And I'm telling you, you want to get up and go here. You want to get up and go for Jesus. You don't want to remain in a place of excuses. You don't want to remain in a place of trying to figure how you can get away from the grace of God that's right in your path. You want to figure out that this is my time. This is an acceptable time. This is, and he, and he said, now. How many times did he say, now is the accepted time? Now is your time. Now is your opportunity. Don't miss it right now. It's time for you. Everybody should say, me. It's time for me to get up and get with it. It's time for me to get up and go. It's time for me to let this grace of God work in my life. And I was a, I was very uh, ignorant and I was very rebellious, very disobedient, very strong-willed, and very hard-headed. And... Uh, I remember when I was first witness to, and I've told him many times, I, I was offered a Bible and I refused it. I was such a big shot. I knew so much. And I just said, nah, I don't want that. I'm too tough for that. I've too, got too much going on in my life for that. I didn't have anything going on in my life but trouble. But you know how that is. And so I, uh, I, a couple of weeks went by, and, and the grace of God was appearing in my life and dealing with me, and my way of thinking was changing for the good. And uh, because of God's grace, because of God's favor, because of that beautiful light of his countenance was just like being in a spotlight. It was just shining in my mind now. And I, I, didn't, I, 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 I didn't want to get away from it now. So I went back to the guy and I said, matter of fact, I worked with him and I was working for him. And I, I said, hey, you know that Bible you offered me? I said, do you, you think I could have that? I, I think I'd like that. And of course, the first time he offered me a little bitty Bible. This time he gave me a big Bible handed it to me. He said, you can have that. And I began to read the Bible and I began to let that grace of God, and I dropped so many things that I thought were important up to that point. Things that I ran to, things that I did, things that took up my time, people that took up my time, and all the events that they could come up with, and all the things they were doing and wanted to get me to be a part of. But I, I stopped doing that all of a sudden. I didn't want to do that anymore. I, I was feeling focused now that there's something in my pathway here. There's a grace. There's a favor. There's an opportunity here. There is a time right now, and I, I need to do this. I don't need to miss this. And then years will go by, and maybe I'll never get another chance. You know, Maybe my heart will just get that much more hard. And my stubbornness, I'll get more stubborn. My rebellion will become more rebellious. And sin will become exceedingly sinful in my life. And I, I uh, so I began to read that Word of God. I'd go home at night. When a lot of times I didn't go home, and I was always doing something else. And I went home, and I, I got with the boss, the wife, and I began to, begin to, to read the Bible, and we just read it together. It was all so new to us. We, we, we didn't want to watch television anymore. We didn't care to go to the movies anymore. They were all depressing and nasty and full of junk. And my God, that was back 40 years ago. No, no comparison to what it is today. I thought I was in a mud puddle then, but it's a septic tank now, an ocean of septic tank. And uh, I, uh, I remember we were just reading the Bible, and, and, and uh, things were smoothing out in our lives, and things were getting calmer, and things were getting in order, and things, there was a happiness there. And, and um, I remember that uh, the first time I went to a service, the gentleman that 
that gave me the, the Bible and that I work with and that witnessed to me and answered questions by the Bible each time I asked one and was so patient with me. Uh, and I remember that uh, the first time he asked me, I was sitting in a window with a Bible in my hand. It was, the window was open because we were renovating the place and, and uh, fixing it. And uh, I was reading the Bible, and, and all of a sudden he said to me, he said, hey, he said, it was Wednesday. He said, hey, what are you doing tonight? And I popped up reading the Bible, and I said, why? You want me to go to church with you? And he said, yeah. And he just grinned one ear or the other. And I said, all right. I said, I'll go. And so I went home, and I told my wife, I said, um, I'm going to go to church tonight uh, with the guy I work for. I said, you want to go? So she figured it was better to do that and stay home alone. So we went to church. And it was I've often described it of being in the center field bleachers of a professional baseball game or something. Uh, I'd never seen people get excited. I'd never, over God, I'd never seen anybody jump up to their feet and raise their hands and clap their hands and do their dance in the spirit. I, I, never, I never saw anything like that. And I never heard anybody yell out amen, glory to God, or hallelujah in a church service. And I sure didn't know what speaking in tongues was. I didn't know anything. And, and I didn't have, I had that Bible he gave me, and they'd tell you to turn to a certain place. I didn't know where I was turning. Somebody had to guide me a little bit there. I didn't know the books of the Bible. I was just starting to read the Bible. And um, I remember how great the service was and how good the preaching was and the singing and, and the worship and everything. And, and as we walked out of that service and we were going across the parking lot, um, I said, well, I said, so uh, that was something. And she said, yeah. She said, so well, what do you think? And I said, well, I said, it, uh, I said, I think they got something that I don't have, and I want it. And so we went, we went home that night, and it wasn't too long. She, she kind of cooled off. She kind of backed up a little bit, and she kind of sat down a little bit, and she kind of took up some of those things she'd been doing before. But I didn't. By the grace of God, I dropped everything, and it became the Word of God. It became church. And I'd go to church, and she'd be sitting there doing something else. And I'd say, okay, I'm going now. Okay, okay, you have a good one. I'll be here when you get back. Okay. And so one night, she was very distressed. She told it many years later in testimony. She said that uh, she, she had uh, told the Lord. She said, you know, she said, if this is real, you know, she was observing me. And, and, and she began to see over the weeks that, that, you know, I wasn't making a mess in the house anymore. Where's, where's some of my young men? Where are they hiding at? I'll try not to call any names. Uh, I wasn't making a mess anymore. I wasn't leaving my clothes strewn all over the place. And, and I, I was suddenly taking out the garbage without her having to ask. And I was helping wash the dishes. And I was good at that in high school. I washed a lot of dishes to make some money. So I did know how to do that, even though I hadn't been doing it. And uh, I, uh, well, I even taught her how to cook. And I retired very quickly once she learned. But uh, I... Uh, I, I, there was, I wasn't saying, you know, bad words weren't coming out of my mouth anymore. And I, and I was coming home after work every day. And uh, so many things that meant a lot to her that got her attention, you know, and that I wasn't even thinking about. It was just happening, you know. And I'd just come home and I'd eat a little bit, help clean up, and I'd just start reading the Bible. Now I wasn't running out to the pool hall or anyplace else. I wasn't trying to get a bunch of guys up and go play football or whatever. wasn't doing that anymore. just didn't care about it wasn't anybody telling me you couldn't do it. It's just that there was a grace in my life now. 
Something was working and operating in my life, and by the grace of God, I was recognizing, wow, something is good here. Something is taking place. Well, I'm, I'm settling down here, and, and I'm so happy about this. And, and uh, I kept going to church. And so she told the Lord, she testified many, many years later that she said to the Lord, she just, just, just you know, prayer is just something from your heart. It's just you just saying it to God how it is and how you feel. And um, it's not you getting all nose up in the air and pious, and, oh, dear God, you know. It's not that. It's just you being you. It's just you being honest. It's just you saying, hey, I hurt. You ever read what Paul said in the book of Psalms? Hear me, Lord, for I am poor and needy. I love that prayer. I love That's me, man. I am poor and needy, Lord. Woo, I need you right now because I'm needy. I want you to minister to the want, to the need, to the lack in my life. <laughs> You're my shepherd. I have to learn how to, how to do this thing. It ain't about you being fancy pants or fancy skirt. It ain't about you striding down here and telling God how great you are and trying to prove to everybody you're just fine just like you are. You're supposed to come down like the guy that Jesus ran. That guy, Jesus just ignored him. He said, well, you ain't getting nothing. But the one that came down and wouldn't even lift up his eyes said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. <laughs> Lord, I am I'm lost here. I'm needy. I'm poor. I'm in a mess. Help me. You know, I told a guy the other day, I said, help a brother. <laughs> and he did. I was very happy about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, the Lord knows how to help all the brothers and all the sisters. He knows how to help us. He knows how to help us. We just need to call on him for that help. And we need to drop what we're doing. We need to drop all the garbage and all the dirt-making stuff. We need, to, we need to let go just because we want to get, we, we recognize, just like this individual, he said, you take up what you got, what I, what's okay in your life. You take that up and you get going. You get up and go. And you go for me now. You go in my direction. You go towards the light. You go towards the grace. You go towards the hope. You go towards the love. You go towards eternal life here. Go towards the salvation. Because it's a day of salvation. It's a time. Now it's a time of salvation. Forget that tomorrow junk. You know, if something's good and you recognize it's good, you're not waiting till tomorrow. No, you're not. Man, my wife put a bunch of a pan. I shouldn't tell this because Miguel's going to come knock on my door and Sal be right behind him. My wife left me a nice pan of baked, not baked, they weren't baked yet but they're stuffed shells. And I, uh, I decided I got motivated about something good. I got motivated by I was hungry. So I, I uh, did something I haven't done in many years. I cooked dinner. Hello. I'm a man after your own heart, aren't I? <laughs> well, I said I hadn't done it in many a year. I told you I was honest. I retired after I taught her how. Poor girl. I, I got that girl out of the boonies, man. She didn't even know how to boil water. Uh, pancakes, what's that, you know? The only job they ever gave her was to hit the snail on the head when he was crawling up out of the pot. That's all they had her do, you know. They didn't teach her how to cook that stuff. Of course, I ain't cooking no snails, no how. I throw them jokers back, right? That's the catch and release system with me on that one. But anyway, I, uh, I got very motivated, and I got very zealous, and I got that preheat on, and I put those babies in there, and I, I – uh, Got it all ready and waited till the 
cheese bubbled and melted a little bit, you know, and got everything done. And I was a little short on the bread, so I just grabbed a, a uh, what do you call them little round things? Those, uh, English muffin. And I was desperate, so I just cut me an English muffin, popped it in the toaster, and put a little butter on it. That became my garlic bread without the garlic. <laughs> Lord. And I'm making you hungry, aren't I? Good. I want, but I want you to get hungry to get up and go for Jesus. That's what I want you to do. So I, uh, I got very motivated, you know, and I, I cooked that meal. You know, Jesus, he wants us to get motivated about something good. And I wasn't disappointed when I, when I got what was, it was all ready. It just, just needed me to do a little something here. It was just right there. I just needed to do my part. I just need to get involved a little bit. I just need to interact what was going on. You know, I could have just left it right where it was on the shelf and, and it would have just stayed cold and uncooked. And I never would have got the benefit out of it. And that's just exactly really how it is here. That Jesus is bringing his grace in an accepted time at the right time. It's not a mistake here that you're here. And it's not a mistake in the timing of what's taking place in your life. And you, you need to do your little part here. You need to, to be hungry. And you need to get a little bit motivated. And one place even talked about a zeal that could uh, motivate other people, provoke other people. You know, if you want other people to get this experience, then you got to get it first. I had a lawyer tell me the other day, said, if you'll, if you'll, because I quoted her what the Bible said about call for Zenos the lawyer and bring them. And I said, and the individual said, well, if you're in some exotic place like Tahiti or something, you call me and said, I'll come hand out anything you want me to hand out. And I said, well, you can't hand it out until you get it. You got to get it. You hear me? And more than likely, you're not going to Tahiti. You're going to go someplace where you don't think you need to go. But Jesus is going to put you right where you need to be to do what you need to be doing because you know what? He is a Savior, and he knows how to save. So don't argue with him. Don't be contrary to him. Don't try to figure a way out. Try to figure a way to get up and get going for him to do what needs to be done. And it starts with you dropping what you're doing and following him. It starts with you having faith in his grace and his favor. You should be saying, who, me, little old me? You should be so thankful that he's coming to your life and he wants to get you up out of your powerless situation. You need to recognize. And you know, by the grace of God, my wife recognized that, uh, that what was happening was of God. You know, I'm sure the Lord could have just said to her, well, would you like for him to keep going in the wrong direction? How long do you think it's going to last? You don't think that something's going to happen bad and negative and, and go the wrong way and go the wrong direction uh, the way he's been living? You might want to recognize. You know, the Bible talked about an individual that saw a situation and had an opportunity, a chance to do something about it, but walked on by. And then here comes another guy that should have known what to do. Walked on by. But here come the one that nobody expected. Looked at the situation, sized it up, and did not hesitate, and took care of business. I want you to get up and get with it for Jesus. I want you to get up and go for Jesus. You get to get up and go for so many things. These boys, you can't hardly get them out of the bed. But you say Bush Gardens or Orlando and Pow! They don't even go to sleep. They stay up all night long fidgeting, just wanting, raring to go, just chomping at the bit. If we could channel that hunger and that zeal and that desire towards the grace that's standing right before us, the 
there would be no holding us back. No holding us back. We would drop what we're doing and do it gladly. We would serve the Lord with gladness. We would serve the Lord with gladness. How can this begin to happen in my life? Everybody said, praise the Lord. I want you to listen to a few things I jotted down from the Bible. Quote, as ye abound in everything. There are so many things that we, we just get with it. We abound in it. We're full of it. We have an abundance of it. Uh, we have a zeal, as I said, for so many things and a desire for so many things. And, uh, you know, I've seen people plenty of times, they didn't have two nickels to rub together, but if it came time to go do something they wanted to do, they found those two nickels somehow, some way. Okay? They, their, their motivation level got so high that they were just going to abound in that. Well, the writer is saying, look, you've abounded in this, and you've abounded in that, and you've abounded in the other. He said, what about this grace? Abound in this grace. Don't, don't be coming behind in this. Don't be at the forefront of so many things that can do you no good beyond this life, much less in this life. But he's saying, you come on now. He said, you can do this and you can do that and you can do the other. He said, don't lack in this one. This is the important one. This is the one you need to get up and go for. This is the one you need to channel everything within you and do this. Another language of the Bible was see that you abound in this grace. This is not, you know, an unspecific thing. This is very exact. We, we have this opportunity because of the grace of God. And he wants to fill us with the spirit of grace. He wants to put this in your life. Another language of the Scripture was to prove your sincerity, that you really mean it. That it's not a front. You're not fronting. You're not just showing out. You know, you're not just putting something on here. But that there's a proving, a testing of your sincerity. God is, and the church are going to prove out whether or not you really mean this. Whether or not it's really, really real in, in what you're doing. Or if you're just putting on the show. Because I'm going to tell you, the people that are putting on the show, they don't last. The people that are just trying to, to, to get something by God in the church, they don't last. And it doesn't work out. And the grace of God will, it will be evident, obvious, that the grace of God is not in your life. But if you really mean it, if you're really meaning it, and oh God, I recognize my opportunity and my chance right here, right now. I'm like that guy that saw it, he sea-sized it up, and he said, I'll take care of it, I'll do it. Well, you're going to be that way, God's going to see the heart and he's going to know your heart and everybody's going to know the whole city's going to know that this is for real this is truly the grace of God working in your life you know my wife sat back because she wanted to see if it was for real with me she wanted to see if, I, if it just wasn't a fad a new thing that's come along just some new thing to get excited about. And then you, after two or three weeks or two or three months, poof, it's gone. And you're looking for something else. And she sat back and she observed and she, and she did talk to God and ask him. And he did show her. And, you know, we both, we both got in the baptismal tank together. And we both got baptized in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. I'm trying to tell you something. And, and God began to change our lives and put us in the right direction, on the right road, the right path, going to the right place for all of eternity. Another place he said here, he said now, he, and listen to what he, the word that he uses here. 
He said, this is expedient. In other words, it's necessary. Do you realize that you must be born again, Jesus said. It is expedient. It is necessary. It is required. Everybody that's going to be in the body of Christ and make heaven their home eternally, you must be born again. Now, if you get mad about that and take issue with that, then you're mad at him and you're taking issue with his word because he said it and I'm just quoting it. I'm trying. He's God and I'm not going to. I quit arguing with him a long time ago. I dropped the net a long time ago. I walked away from it all a long time ago and I said, whatever you say, that's what it is. Talk about proving your sincerity. Well, I'm going to tell you something personal now. You know, they uh, sometimes it's good business to have a little insurance, cover some bases. And uh, so I had I told the... Uh, the insurance guy a long time ago, I said, you know, I, I want things to be able to continue on if I kick the bucket. Sitting right here in your office, if I fold over, I said, I want to know that there's a million dollars coming to the church to keep everything going, all the churches, keep everything going and growing and continue on. Yeah, 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 everything was supposed to be. And here one day, not too long ago, maybe a couple of, maybe three or four weeks ago, I was riding along and I suddenly got inspired to pick up the phone that wasn't hard because it's always right here, except for when I'm preaching. And I took that old phone out, and I called him, and I asked him about it. He said, oh, you know, you remember we changed that? I said, really? I said, I don't remember that. I said, I remember telling you time and time and time again, asking you time and time and time again, you know, if I fall over anywhere or right in your office, you know. And he said, he said no, we, we, we changed that. We did a certain thing, blah, blah, blah. And I, I was very upset with him. And uh, what actually happened, though, I, I, the Lord just talked to me and said, you know what, don't worry about it. It's all going to be for the good. So I told him, I said, okay. I said, what kind of value we got there? So they got it all together, and uh, it came out to a little over $100,000 of cash value that was in the policies. And uh, I'd always told God, I said, everything belongs to you, God. Everything belongs to you. It's all come from you, and it belongs to you. And so I cashed in everything, and I put it in the building. And I told Zine Sitzfeld, I said, you know, I said, you make a statement, God will prove your heart. God will prove if you mean what you say. And I said, and I did not hesitate about it, and I'm not bragging on me. I'm just telling you that I always told God. And that was my whole motive, and that's what I told the insurance guy. I said, I told you over and over. If anything happened to me, I wanted that there to keep everything going on. But you know what? God doesn't need that to keep going on. But he determined that it would be real good to take it and use it now in what's going on now. How about you start hearing the word now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Now it's time for me to prove that I will live for God. And I will get up and I won't lag behind. I'm going to get with it. And when God, when my wife said, hey, is this for real? And God let her know it was for real. She came and got baptized and got the Holy Ghost. And that's been almost 40 years ago. So I am saying to you that there are things that are necessary and that now you want to perform Bible language. Now you want to perform the doing of it. 
there are lots of people in this town that tell me, I'm going to come. I, I'm going to get baptized. I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. Yeah, I, I'm going one of these days. But the writer, the language of the Bible is to perform the doing of it now. To perform the doing of it. To talk about it is one thing. But to actually do it, now that's another thing. And it, it, you can give many examples, you know, and I know you can, so I'm not going to take the time. But, but it just boils down to Jesus is saying, drop the net. Jesus is saying, take up the bed and follow me. You know, Jesus is looking at, oh, here's your opportunity, here's the chance. Uh, do it. Do the performing of it. Let's go. Let's do it now. Bible language. He talked about a readiness to will. A readiness to will, that you're ready. You know, your will. You're ready to will. I'm ready to do this. That I'm not going to, what's that word, procrastinate, meaning put it off. I'm not going to classify myself any longer with the foolish in the Bible who kept putting it off and putting it off until it got put off and it never did get done. The performance of it never happened. There are some things that I would like to do and I haven't done it. I haven't done the performing of it. But you know, if some of those things I never get to, that's not going to be anything in comparison to this salvation. That's something by the grace of God, I did that. I responded. Some of you have responded, and some of you need to respond. You don't need to keep sitting back and entangle yourself or be entangled in the things of this life to where you miss it. I'm glad that my wife didn't sit back and be an anchor and a hindrance and some kind of uh, holding me back, but that she got in there and said, okay, this is it. This is it. And I'm going to do my part to make sure this is it in our lives. I'm going to see to it that this gets done. I'm going to get this performed. The doing of it. said a readiness of will or a readiness of mind so that there will be a performance of this thing. You get a hold of this heart. You ask God to take it. Take my mind. Take my thinking. Take my emotions. I lift them to you in the name of Jesus. Come on, Lord. Help me here. Help me to get the will. What did it say in one place? Uh, if there first be a willing mind. That my mind the spirit of my mind, the decision-making part of my mind, will we'll say yes, and we'll begin to perform. We'll begin to do the doing of it. There is nothing that is great that is expected of anybody. You know, you're not asked to climb the highest mountain. You're not asked to swim the English Channel or sail around the world in a little boat somewhere. You are not asked to bring any money, much less heaps of money. You're not asked to bring any money. You're not asked to do any of those things. You're not asked to, to be the smartest or the best looking or the brightest or any of those things. You're not asked to, of, about those things. He's just looking for you to say, I'm willing. He's looking for you to say, okay, Lord, here's my willing, here's my willing heart, here's my willing mind, here's my thoughts and here's my emotions. I'm giving it to you, Lord. It's not much, but I'm, I'm willing here. I'm, we'll drop the net, okay, as opposed to the other guy that acted like he wanted, oh, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, he said, you need to do this. Oh, I've been doing that since I was a little bitty. Huh. Oh, and the Bible, you know, the Bible said that Jesus had affection for him. He loved him. He, he, he demonstrated, he didn't get ugly with him or mad at him. 
but he proved the sincerity of what the individual was saying. He said, okay then. He said, drop what you got. Sell out. Get away from all that. Quit pursuing those things. And you come follow me. Oh, well. Got two tickets front seat on the court tonight. I got to go. There's a big sale at the mall. I'll be busy. Hmm? Oh, they're having a big party up in Georgia. I'm out of here. One guy told me not too long ago we were pouring the concrete. We were trying to get him to come back the next day. He said, he said no, no. He said, I, I'm going to the Keys. And I kept on pressing him. He said, nope. He says, I got to go. And he went. And he's not here. You know? And that's, that's the story of our lives. We get up and go for the wrong things. We put all our energy into the wrong things, into things that cannot profit us. What did it say? Why spend your money for things that don't profit you? What would it profit you if you gained the whole world? You know, I read about a man right here in Florida that won like $300 million in the lottery. And do you know it, it killed his granddaughter? She became a dope addict with all that money and she overdosed and died. It destroyed everything that would have been important in his life that he didn't recognize was important. And then he actually wound up broke. How do you blow $300 million is what I want to know. I could be building churches left and right here. Hello, by the grace of God. People just think that if they had all that, you know. Let me tell you, there's something more valuable than all the money in the world. And it's the spirit of grace. It's the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's the blood of the Lamb. It's your sins fully pardoned. You gain the whole world and lose your soul. You're the loser. You don't have to be a loser anymore. You can become a winner through the born again experience. Hey, you can have a second chance here. A second chance. Amen. You can remain standing. The time is ticking away here. One writer talked about the forwardness, the forwardness. That's the language of the Bible, the forwardness of your mind. Somebody called me the other day and, and uh, for a particular reason, and they said, you know, you, what's that statement that you've made famous? I didn't know what he was talking about. And he said, yeah, you know that, that when you're driving for us, the R doesn't mean reverse, it means race. <laughs> and you know what? We, just have, we need to get in the right gear here. And we need to make sure that that, that gear is, uh, is, is, we understand what it is, that it's a forwardness. It's a forwardness of mind that I'm getting in the Holy Ghost gear here. I'm getting in the Jesus gear, and I'm going to get up, and I'm going to go for Jesus. I'm going to quit messing around and playing around and procrastinate and putting off, and I'm not going to be holding back and mess everything up. Do you know how many good things God has planned for you and for yours if you'd simply get up and go for him? Just get up and go for him. Recognize this moment. And one place said, do not frustrate the grace of God. Don't be contrary. Don't. If you've ever gotten frustrated, sure you have. Don't frustrate God's grace. Thank you for this. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for thinking about me and, and mine. Thank you, Lord. I'm, I'm just going to just get my mind off everything. I'm dropping everything. I'm getting my mind off that stuff. I'm going to focus right on this. I'm going to do that. i got to get this done. I've got to perform this. Everybody said amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. I told one of our 14-year-old young men the other day, I was riding around that building. I ride around that building so much I'm going to wear my tires out. I was riding around that building, and I, I called him. I said, follow my truck. And he's huffing my truck. He was chucking it. We call that chucking it because Chuck runs everywhere. Oh, he was chucking it. 
And so he got caught up, and, and I pointed to some stuff, some garbage, some steel, some this, some that. I said, three days, three days, I've been asking you to get that up. Three days, you haven't done it. Are you blind? My eyes are really good because I keep seeing it. You know, I, I do feel like Jesus feels that way with us sometimes. I've called you. I've talked to you. I've visited you. I've pulled you. I'm here. Drop what you're doing and follow me. I got so. If you could just visualize how many good things I have for you and yours. How many things are going to fall in place for you. And I mean, I'm going to set it up. I'm going to put your feet on the right path. I'm going to help put your feet right in the steps that you need to be in. They're my steps. They're my way. And you're going to be the happier for it. You're going to be eternally happy about it. You're going to be uh, among them that are happy and to be envied because what you have is so great, what you will possess, if you'll just get to the forwardness of mind here and get about doing it. You could have done it the first day instead of the third day and have to be spoken to again and again and again. Don't make God have to slap you down. It's so much nicer when he just says, hey, come follow me. And you just go, oh, yes. Oh, here I go. Everybody said, praise the Lord. Everybody said, hallelujah. Every day of my life for the last almost 40 years, if I, if I look back, I look back in happiness. I don't have any regret. Gee, I wish I hadn't, you know, taken that Bible. Oh, no. That ain't the way I feel about it at all. Not at all. And I am trying to tell you something. You're going to be a happy camper. You're not going to be in the darkness anymore. You're not going to be in sickness anymore. You're not going to be in a mess anymore. And most importantly and above everything, heaven waits for you. Amen. And you can be headed right towards it, not playing some, have somebody play some circus and preach you into heaven when they everybody knew you was a downtown drunk or, or the biggest dope addict or whatever. You know, and everybody knows that. But, oh, you know, they set everything up and have a little circus. No, you want it to be sincere. You want to know the minute that breath leaves your body, whoo, you're going in the right direction, and you're going to be with the right one, and there's not going to be any doubt about it. Amen. Come on, let's lift our hearts with our hands, and let's love him, and let's worship him. Let's begin to gather around the front. This altar is open. You can have the Holy Ghost this morning. We will baptize you correctly, the Bible way, in the name of Jesus Christ. We want to get you going in the right direction. We want you to get up and go for Jesus. Come on now, and everything then will fall into place. All the priorities will fall in. Jesus is number one, and then two, three, four, ten, and twenty falls in right behind it. He will give you the priority schedule. Come on now. 